To begin this evening, though, we're looking at the origin of one of the world's most well-known buildings, the White House in Washington, D.C. It's one of the most recognisable landmarks in the world, yet few know the name or the story of the Irishman responsible for its design and construction. Born in 1755, James Hoban spent his childhood years in Desart, Cuffsgrange, County Kilkenny, the son of a tenant farmer. As a teenager, he moved to Dublin and studied at the Dublin Society Drawing School and later emigrated to the United States in 1785, a couple of years after the end of the American Revolutionary War. The architect's life and work are the subject of a new anthology called James Hoban, designer and builder of the White House. It's edited by Stuart D. McLaurin, president of the White House Historical Association. And earlier, Stuart spoke to our reporter, Colm Flynn. Stuart, it's incredible that this is one of the most iconic buildings in the world, and yet very few people know the name James Hoban, particularly here in Ireland. Who was James Hoban? Well, you're exactly right. It's amazing that this man's work is known the world over by three words, the White House. But his name of James Hoban is little known. He was an Irish-American that developed his skills in Dublin, working for uh, under the tutelage of Thomas Ivory, a renowned architect for the t- at the time at the Dublin Society School of Architectural Drawing. He worked on several prominent uh, buildings there in Dublin, uh, Linster House, the Newcomen Bank, the Royal Exchange. In fact, uh, you, when I was in Dublin recently and walked up on Linster House, you, you see the visual of the White House, at least I did in my mind's eye, uh, the places that inspired this uh, Irishman who came to America and was accomplished in Charleston, South Carolina, in the American South. He met George Washington there. George Washington, as president, was on a southern tour of the states. How did the two of them come to meet originally? Well, it was he was in Charleston. Uh, George Washington was in Charleston. And he, as he traveled, he would meet uh, many people in the area. Hoban had already been instrumental in building several buildings in Charleston that Washington saw and he liked. And it was quite common in Europe at the time to build large stone houses and stone buildings. It was not that common in America. But Hoban had been successful with this in Charleston. Washington wanted a stone house for the president's house, not to be reminiscent of a European palace, but something that would be substantial, respected by European capitals, and more appropriate for an American president. They were both Masons, and I think that their rapport that they developed in the conversation about uh, those interests was probably uh, influential. But uh, Washington was a man who knew what he wanted, and he wanted someone that was aligned with him and would carry out his vision for the White House. And uh, Washington was influential, but he also let Hoban uh, do what Hoban did best, and that was to pull together the team of people that that built built the White House. You said that Hoban was successful already in Charleston, but this would have been the biggest project of his career, presumably. Oh, by far, by far. Uh, The records of his coming to the United States in the mid-1870s, he advertised in Philadelphia, he advertised in Charleston. He partnered Uh, in South Carolina with a gentleman by the name of Pierce Purcell, who we believe may have been a a distant relative of his that had come to Charleston, and they built things together. But uh, Hoban had quite a name. 
you know, it was interesting. I think George Washington wanted someone with a name, but not too much of a name uh, to build the White House. Yeah, I read somewhere in an interview, an author talking about him and said that although he was Irish, he very much had American qualities, extremely ambitious, a mover and a shaker. He knew who to rub shoulders with to rise and progress in his career. I, I think that's exactly right. And it's interesting his legacy here in Washington with the White House, but he also built the first church of of any kind outside of Georgetown, which is to the west of downtown Washington. At that time, it would have been a little too far for uh, people to go and worship. So he built St. Patrick's Church, the first Catholic church, first church of any kind in the federal city at that time. He was um, uh, instrumental in creating the um, Masons Masonic Lodge here in town. He had a legacy beyond just the White House. Of course, nothing compares to the White House in terms of that. Now, I've often wondered if if he had any idea or any clue what the magnitude of that would be. He knew he was building the president's house. I was wondering that if there was any sign from his writings or his letters or documents left that he realized just the significance of what he was embarking on, that it would become such a, a huge part of history, this building. We don't know. His home in Washington was burned, and with it went most of his papers. We have very little left in his own hand, uh, just a couple of documents. Interestingly enough, what does remain, uh, several projects both in Dublin and then here in the United States, he chose not to accept cash for payment for those projects. He accepted a medal because he knew he could show that medal to the next customer, if you will, and it demonstrated his success in a previous project where the money would be spent. But the metal he used almost as a resume, or we would use today. And that was very wise, I think. That's the type of thing that would have impressed uh, George Washington to be shown something such as that. So we have those medals. Those remain here at the uh, um, American History Museum in Washington. But in terms of his papers and records, uh, there's virtually nothing. It's, it's very tragic that it was lost to fire. Do you know, was he a family man? Did he have a wife and kids? He did. In fact, uh, we have one image of James Hoban. It's on the cover of this book, uh, James Hoban, Designer and Builder of the White House. It's a small wax image, just a few inches tall, and it's the only known image of him, and it's in the White House collection. But there is a photograph, or a, a drawing rather, of his son, who looks very much like him, or looked very much like him. And oftentimes, you will see that image in uh, documents representing, represented as James Hoban, the father, but it wasn't. It was James Hoban, the son. We know that he did have a direct Hoban descendants uh, that were around for several generations. In fact, there is a Hoban family plot here in Mount Olivet Cemetery in Washington. We've recently restored that family plot. There are some Hobans around still today. We were contacted recently by an architecture firm in London that was by the name Hoban, and they claimed to be some uh, relational connectivity to our James Hoban, uh, but we're not aware of any direct personal descendants that, that we are engaged with uh, here in the United States today. Now, Stuart, of course, things back then were done a lot differently than they're done today, and we know that many enslaved people were used to build the White House, and Hoban would have overseen many of these slaves. In fact, I read accounts of him bringing his own slaves with him to work on the project. So I suppose the question is, as Irish people who are learning about James Hoban for the first time and hearing his name, is it a name we should 
celebrate and be proud of as the young Irish immigrant who did incredibly well in his profession in the United States? Or should we be ashamed of the fact that he bought and sold slaves and used them for his own prosperity? That's a really important question, and it reflects the mode that we are uh, with issues we are still wrestling with in this country today. And it is certainly not something to be proud of that he managed or owned slaves. The stone for the White House, as I mentioned, George Washington wanted a stone house. Well, that was quarried about 30 miles downriver, down the Potomac River, and slaves were used to quarry that stone and to row it upriver, if you can imagine, for 30 miles, offload it and bring it to where the White House was built. So it was not an easy task by any means. And this was all really brought to our attention in May of 2016 when former First Lady Michelle Obama gave a commencement speech and then later that summer the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia where she said, I wake up every morning in a house that was built by slaves. So we spent about four years doing the research on this and it's still underway. Tragic to know nine of our first 12 American presidents owned slaves that lived and worked with them in the White House. But to your your question about should he be celebrated or not honor him for his legacy, I think his legacy as the designer and builder of the White House is secure in history. But I think the light that has been shown on these horrific issues, which were not unique to James Hoban, there were many, many Americans, many, many leaders, many, many presidents who uh, it's a black mark on our history, a really uh, evil element of, of, of world history. But it's something that we have the responsibility to teach about. And uh, we do not want these people to be forgotten. I saw an interview with you once, Stuart, where you were talking about all the research you did for this book and researching the different stories about James Hoban and even going back to Ireland and not only going to Dublin, but going to his home county of County Kilkenny. And you said that you felt like you knew James Hoban personally. So when I say the name James Hoban, what do you think of? Well, I think uh, how amazing that this one man came from across the ocean had no idea what he would encounter, never dreaming that his name would be perpetually associated with the symbol of American freedom and democracy around the world. Probably at his death, he had no idea that his legacy would be such. Uh, certainly, he didn't know that we would exist and that we would publish a book about him. But I think it's a symbol of uh, encouragement and hope for people who uh, want to pursue uh, their dream and their field and uh, the impact that they can have. I think it's also an example of uh, nobody is a perfect soul. Everybody has a dark and bad side, and and we all try, and we all work. And um, he was a man of faith, and so I'm sure he uh, had to wrestle with those things that were in, in his own life, in his own faith. And there was some example later in his life where he did speak against slavery, but yet he still owned them and sold them. So when I think of him, it's not one thought. It's a very complex matrix of, of, of thought. But I do think that he is a man that should be recognized for the legacy that he has in building this structure. And, you know, this is one small white stone building that's the home to the president of the United States and his family. It's the office to the president and his staff. 
It's the ceremonial stage upon which our country welcomes its most important visitors, and it's a museum where 500 to 600,000 people a year go through and see this museum of American history. This one man conceptualized and built that, and he was an Irishman, and he came here and he worked his trade well, and he has an important legacy in White House history. Colin Flynn was reporting there. He was talking to Stuart D. McLaurin about the life and work of architect James Hoban. Stuart is the editor of the new book, James Hoban, Designer and Builder of the White House. And by the way, the White House Historical Association is offering free shipping to Irish customers purchasing the book from their site until June. We'll put a link on our own website.